Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Casual KO here on Dangerous World Podcast. Uh, Nick is not available this week, but I do have his picks as usual, so we'll be going Where's through Nick? Those. Yeah, we miss him. I mean, well, that's. I mean, it's nice that you're available to come on when this dude's not, because I like at least having two people. Uh, but yeah, the dude's busy, man. You know, I don't know how it is down there in Australia. I don't think they have a crazy work week. I don't know. It seems like a normal, normal pace, but you guys aren't like going through a little falling out because you guys are like competing now, are you? No, no, not at all, dude. No, we're totally cool. As far as I know, I don't think he, he he's ahead in our little competition. So if he's mad, <laughs> um, no, yeah, we're, he's just busy. You know, it's tough to, to schedule with somebody on the other side of the world, dude. You know, this dude's literally a day ahead of us and it's morning and all this stuff. So, um, but yeah, man. So we got uh, Alex from Profit Picks here. Should be a pretty good show. We've had you on a couple times. Uh, you've been on more lately when Nick's unavailable. But uh, we'll get all three of us together at some point again. And uh, you said that you broke a little cold streak. You said yes, you broke a little cold streak. I did break a losing streak last week for UFC. God, I just was getting crushed. You know what I was doing? I was just, you know how there's been like four weeks where there's a lot of hometowners. Mm-hmm. I'm fading a lot of hometowners and getting crushed by close decisions, right. um, stoppages. It's just uh, so on the Mexican card, the Noche card kind of went against myself a little bit. Started betting with a little bit more of the hometowners. And uh, the only one who screwed me was Patilla. And other than that, I'm happy to get back on track because uh, usually when I'm on the podcast, I usually have a good week. You guys always give me like a little good insider info as well. Oh yeah, and, um, I'm excited. I, I'm not really running to the book to bet too many things on this card, but I do like a couple spots. And uh, yeah, I was also interested on what you were doing for your ladder challenge. Yeah, I did. I call it the Eiffel Tower. No one else calls it that. I just wanted to be a little different. It makes me think of other another thing that's the Eiffel Tower too. You know, it's just kind of fun. So. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm talking about, but yeah, man. Um, so it's cool that you had a nice little noche night there because yeah, I uh, I did the same thing. I bet on mostly Mexicans, uh, including Tracy Cortez. A lot of people went Jezidovicious there, but not me. Um, and how about that Chires Lacerda fight, man? We were talking about that back and forth through text, and you know, you're asking me where I was going. I said Lacerda round one KO wasn't looking like that was going to happen. I honestly but... did bet both sides. I had two bets on that fight. And uh, they both pushed, which is, you know, I'm not, I'll take it because I would have lost on both if Charis won that way. I had Charis round two and mm-hmm. I had Lacerda round one. So I was a little bit disappointed at the outcome because I would have lost both my bets, but I'll take a push there. Oh, yeah. Better than I also loss, thought man. he had the finish. I thought that was a r- little bit of a fishy no contest, but it's a great way to let Lacerda, you know, come in and get finished again, I guess. 
Yeah, dude, I, I still think he's got it, man. Uh, Chirez uh, kind of surprised me with that sub, even though I know I heard a lot of people talking about the sub. But, I mean, pushes will, will help you sometimes, and then they'll fuck you. We both kind of got fucked by a contender series push earlier uh, in the female fight this last I was uh, literally saying, I was, like, very overconfident on Luciano because I, I kept saying this all week. I was like, lucky Luciano. <laughs> well, she's more well-rounded, dude. The other chick was just a jujitsu pro, and she's, like, short as shit, you know? I don't know. It's weird how they set those lines sometimes over there at the uh, contender series, but let's move on to this week, man. We got uh, 11 fights as of now. We're recording this on the 20th of September here, just uh, the Wednesday night before the fights on Saturday. Um, And yeah, man, I got some stats here. I added some extra slides. If you happen to watch the uh, rapid picks that I did, it was just a quick show by myself and uh, went through one of these slides, but I wanted to make sure that we had some additional information here. Um, so, yeah, man, let's just go through it. Let's uh, start with the first fight of the night. Montserrat Rendon. Uh, I thought she was French, but she's Mexican. Uh, <laughs> going against Tamaris Vidal. And uh, I'll start this off, man, um, just because I think it'll end up being. Well, no, actually, you start it off because then you'll get the honors on the main event, too, because there's an odd number I, of fights. Right, I'm going to start off right now with I have. Not done good against Tamira's Vidal. I bet against her in the first, her debut, and she got a crazy finish. Who did he, she fight in her debut? Uh, was that Raquel Pennington or not Raquel Pennington? Uh, Pasquale, right? Yeah, it might have been Pasquale. And I just didn't like the tape on Vidal. I thought she was green, but she showed a, a lot of improvement from what the tape that I watched seems like a whole different fighter. But, um, I think she needs to work on the grappling a little bit. I, I wouldn't touch this fight. I have a couple friends of mine who are betting Montserrat, but right now, I, I after getting burned on Vidal, I, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to bet against her here. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'd be curious to see what your friends that are betting on Montserrat see because she has only gone to decision. Um, there's some people out there with shows that are saying that Tamaris has had two UFC fights and finishes in both. That's not the case. She fought Ramona Pasquale, who kind of sucks, um, for the UFC level. Uh, and I bet Ramona. I bet Ramona in that, and uh, boy, was I upset. Yeah, I bet I Tamaris. thought she had a chin. I, I thought this girl was going to dog out dog her. To be fair, her chin didn't show weakness. She just took a knee to the sternum or to the liver, maybe. You know, that's what really kind of fucked her there. But um, with the stats that you're seeing here, you're not seeing much as far as like the striking differentials, you know, Montserrat hasn't had anything, but Tamaris going off her one fight in the UFC, three minute fight time in the UFC, uh, pretty, pretty effective with the strikes. She's nine years younger here. Um, opened as a favorite. I got the, uh, signs mixed up here on this, on the bottom for anyone noticing, but I mean, the chick's going to win this dude. I don't understand why anyone would be leaning towards Rendon. Um, I just, I, I, she's old. She doesn't have any power. She's got good cardio. She's in very good shape, but I see a, a Tamaris with all finish. Because Vidal's cardio is, I don't think she has cardio. I think she's only got one round in her, in my opinion. So yeah. that could be the, the path to victory, Montserrat decision, you know, wet blanket a little bit, but. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not, not running to the book to, to bet this fight. If anything, I, Go on. Vidal finish or Montserrat decision. Try to double dip. Yeah, man. I just don't see how 
Montserrat Hanks. I really don't. I don't know if you watch much tape on her, man, but like, you know, her her cloudy fight, her most recent fight, um, she looked bad, and I think that she lost that fight. Both of her split decisions, I think she lost. Um, again, she's only gone to decision at low level competition. Tamara's all strong, she's tough. And she, dude, I'm actually more confident on her than a lot of plays on this entire card. And she is that first leg of my uh, my big parlor that I got this weekend is Tamara's Vidal. Yeah. Not any yeah, method. You know what it was, though? I thought that, you know, why is the line a little bit too low? Why isn't she minus 300, minus 400? You know right. what I mean? Why are they making this fight is another question that I ask myself. I don't know. Because it seems like they like Vidal. Another reason is if you look over here, it's a bantamweight bout. They don't have many uh, girls in bantamweight there. There's people that are really bad fighters that are ranked in bantamweight in the women's division there. So I think they're trying to bring talent in. They're trying to build certain fighters and then just introduce more bodies. Giving Vidal a little slow come up. Maybe. Maybe. Because, again, she's 25. 25 versus 34. You know, it's just that's such a big deal. And then 34 in women's MMA, man, that's like. You know, 38 in men's. So mm. we'll see, man. But, yeah, she's the first leg. I'm very confident in her. It's funny that you got some friends on there. We'll see. I don't, though, man. I don't mind that. Yeah, I got a pro Shmo bet, a uh, good source of mine. He is cold right now. I'll give him that. He is cold, so that it, it is a good sign for you. But, uh, yeah, I saw him put out a play with Montserrat on it, and I honestly not going to be tailing it. Yeah. Yeah, who knows, man? Um, I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times. It'd be a shitty week to be wrong, especially to start off. But we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But yeah, I'm I'm heavy on Vidal. I think that uh, I think she gets a round two finish. To be honest, um, I think she can hang. And I think if it goes fifteen, she's still got it. So we'll see. What's your uh, if you had a gun to your head and you had to make a pick round method fighter? What do you got? I'll take Vidal by finish. You know, hopefully she can make it up to me for taking my money last time. I do like this. Um, okay. And the odds makers are throwing some respect on her name, minus 200. I thought it would have been higher, though. That's the only thing that kind of fished me. I was like, right. you know, minus 200 after that great show out and against a debutant doesn't doesn't really make sense to me. Yeah, no, dude, I am right there with you, and I definitely get it. Um, Nick is on Vidal. I believe my phone is wigging out right now, but I believe he had sub round three. Uh, mm. But he does have Vidal, so... Um, but yeah, I'll come back to it once, uh, Instagram works, but it's just not working yet. It's not going to work. So my bad, Nick, uh, I'll post your picks, but yeah, let's move on to the second fight of the night and I'll uh, start this one off. Cause this is the second leg of my parlay. Okay. Oh, you're going with both the females. I am. And I'm, I'm making another mistake that you're not supposed to do, but this is such a sketchy card. There is one third female fight that I'm not touching later. But this is such a sketchy card with such interesting matchups, such tightly matched matchups that I want to try to take chalk in a situation like this. And I'm not just blindly following chalk. I've watched all these girls fights and I are, you know, most of them, the ones that I feel are relevant. Um, Mizuki did very well against Amanda Lamosh in her last fight. Okay. She hurt her ACL in that fight, but Amanda Lamosh just fought for the title. Looked like shit, but she's beat. She's knocking out the girl that's fighting three fights from the top on the same card. Mizuki's 29 off a three-year layoff, which is shady. But Hannah Goldie got spinning elbow knocked out by one of the worst fighters in a division up from here, right? Flyway. She has bad cardio in Hannah Goldie. Moving down to 115 from 125, she's going to have worse cardio. 
Mizuki has great cardio. She's more well-rounded. She's stronger. She's not going to be the more powerful puncher here. And and when I say stronger, she's not like gym strong. But, dude, yeah, Mizuki all day here. And I think that she could get a potential finish, too. I think this could be a sub. Um, I'm 100% behind you. I don't know more about the finish. I wouldn't even touch a method here because oh, I'm not. Mizuki is not known for, you know, knocking women out. Not at all. But Hannah could get tired. And, yeah, you're right. After, if we think about this, there's a one card on Friday. Okay. So the Asian market is going to be fresh right after Friday, after watching one. This might gain their whole audience to come and watch, you know, Mizuki, who's also pretty popular out, out in Asia. I yeah, like Japanese. her. I bet on her in her first fight. That was one of the locks of the card. She looked great. She got the job done. Would love to keep it rolling. I just, I'm worried because Hannah has fought and, uh, who does she train with? Jillian Robertson, right? Main training partner. Uh, Jessica Andrade, I believe lately too. Who sucks lately. Yeah, very true. But I I guess I'm worried that she's coming down. She's going to have a little bit of a power advantage. I'd be worried if she could get Mizuki to the ground and just wet blanket her. But I know Hannah's definitely not going to have the cardio here at this weight. So the finish is is a sleeper. I wouldn't get greedy, but I'll definitely have Mizuki on some slips 100%. Yeah, I'm just taking money line in my parlay. Um, but if you look at this number right here for Mizuki, her submission, because this is knockouts here on the left and then submissions here on the right. Submissions are nine. I mean, she's never lost by submission, but she's got nine finishes by submission. And that's why I'm going Mizuki round two or three sub. I, I think that that's... that's because she is more like a boxer from what I saw. I mean, she, yeah, she's real, really well-rounded. She didn't look like a boxer against Lamoche. She got dropped against Lamoche. But again, Lamoche is top, top of the division, man. Um, I, I'm high on Mizuki oh, in this, cuts too. cuts a lot of weight, too. She cuts a ton of weight. Who's that? Lamoche. Oh, yeah, she's powerful as shit, man. Um, and to be clear, just to circle back, because I finally got Instagram working, Nick picked Vidal knockout round three. So we're all on Vidal. I, I uh, confused it for sub there, but. That cardio um, show. Yeah, man. We'll see where this goes, dude. We'll see where this goes. Um, and yeah, for the first fight of the night too, that's a that's a bold call by Nick, the the round three knockout. But we'll see, man. Crazier shits happen. Um, but yeah, I'm on uh, I'm on Mizuki here all day, and I think that she does get a sub round two or three. Um, any method for you? Just decision. Yeah, I would do decision. You know, Hannah Goalie. Just maybe there's some spots, and also here's a huge thing. I don't know. I don't know if you saw this last week. We had some insider info last week get dropped from Herb Dean. And okay. he helped us out and put a little extra money in our pockets. He posted the sheet of the refs and the judges and the um, assigned ref who watches replays. Okay. So right off the bat, we knew where Mark Smith's going to be, where Chris Tognoni's, where, where he's going to be. We knew where there was going to be... Uh, more likely a bad stoppage where there's more likely going to go over. And we ended up betting the split in the Holland uh, Madalena fight. And it was all because we had a good ref. We had a ref that was more likely to go over than not. And we said, this is likely to go to a decision. Let's get a little greedy. Which refs, if you know off the top of your head, which refs uh, let it go longer when a, when a fighter's getting beat up on the ground, let's say? Versus All right, so I'm like gonna give you a couple. Stop. I trust 
This isn't the best one from top to bottom. I'll give you Keith Peterson is number one for overs. He don't stop nothing. He lets a lot of things go. No nonsense. Bobby yeah. Hill. No, no. He's my favorite ref. He's the best. Always bet the over with him. Um, Steve Herzog's not bad. Mark Goddard's not bad with the overs. Um, Tanyoni's they, the worst. Because they usually have the horrible stoppages late in the fight okay. where you know you already hit you over. And I guess there's there's a good couple for the unders. Mark Smith, great for unders. He loves stopping it. Chris Tognoni, he's just horrible. I can't believe yeah, he's, he's still around because he's screwed over, I think, everyone who's bet on UFC with some bad stoppages. He's the king of that. Yeah. And um, I guess the only problem that we have is that when we get the refs, you want to have a ref that you know. Because when we're in Australia, Abu Dhabi, it's always refs that we have no idea who we're dealing with. Right. So, honestly, I wish I could get that info every week because it's a huge, major key on cracking the whole card as a puzzle. Interesting. I wonder if he posted that because they wanted to run a test to see, like, let's see if this affects the smart money out there. You know, not necessarily the people that are just betting like a dollar here, dollar there, but people that are actually putting. I agree. I think someone bribed them because it, it, it does help a ton. You know, you'll know when to stay away from betting and over. Like I'll never bet an over and seeing Chris Tognoni. Never. Right. <laughs> you just never. Same thing with Mark. I trust Mark Smith, to be honest, before I trust Tognoni. Mark Smith's not fighting. bad. He does stop early if someone's getting beat up on the ground, though. But I'm just saying, if you have an under, you want Mark Smith. Once you see Mark Smith, you're like cheering. You got a guy on your side. Okay, good to know. Yeah, I know it. I know about Tonyone, but it's just you know, like you said yourself, unfortunately, we don't get that information most of the time. But um, and I recommend you guys go look at that when you guys get a chance. If you listen to this, go check out Herb Dean's Instagram. He has it posted. And another thing I didn't know is that there's three different judges for each fight, so they have a cycle. And they're shuffling them around. Yeah, yeah, I thought yeah. The judges did every single fight the whole night. No. So that's also another thing to keep a look at if you're going to the judges. You know, there's a couple shady refs on there who could go either way. Maybe you don't even want to bet the fight because of these judges. So this this is info that I wish was public every week because this is how they could get you every once in a while. You know, they know all the money's on one of these fights. They just throw in Chris Tognoni, schedule him for that fight. And all of a sudden, you know, bookies got their under money. Yeah. No, I'm right there with you, man. It makes sense. We just need it every week. That'd be great. Uh, let's move on up the card here. Um, so it sounds like you and Nick are both on uh, Mizuki Inyone. Uh, I think Wah! it's in- anyway. By decision, I'm on her by sub, but I just have her on money line for the second leg of my parlay this weekend. Uh third fight of the night man uh two dudes that look just like you know a, a completely different way to look 265 pounds um we got jake collier who originally fought at middleweight everyone knows this um now he's up at 265 tipping the scales most weeks and then also muhammad usman who uh like i said just looks shredded for being this big um this is your start here so uh i'm, I'm interested to see what you think I have bad history with Jake Collier. I have bad history with him. I made a huge bet on him. I want to say a couple fights ago against Chris Barnett. I almost had him finish in the first round. This is another thing with the refs. The refs didn't finish it, didn't give, you know, Collier an easy stoppage in the first, but the second he's getting pounded out in the second, is they're really fast to wave it off. And I hate that kind of stuff. I really have a sour taste in my mouth from Jake Collier. Um, 
had a nice two team parlay with him against Chris Barnett, but I was happy to see Chris Barnett. You yeah. know, I put him in his first fight in the UFC and I wish I kind of stuck with him because he's popular and he's a fan favorite. Gotta love but it. I really am definitely going to be betting Usman here, but I have a very itchy feeling in the back of my head that Jake Collier is going to show out and take my money. And I'm not super confident on this fight. I have to bet Usman. I feel like the line's a little bit off. I feel like Usman should be a heavier favorite. And some people were telling me that he even opened up as a dog on some spots. Mm -hmm. shocked me. That makes me really think that it's a trap. Like, they know something that Jake's going to come out here and show out. Or he's going to show out, you know, improved cardio or something. I really don't like this fight. Wouldn't go crazy on it, but I'll definitely have Usman on a couple slips. Round robin. Just money line. Wouldn't get greedy. And I guess a gun to my head if I had to take a Ovanda. I'm taking the over one and a half. Yeah, it's set at one and a half, which is wild. Um, I think that that was a gift, man. This should be a, a 2.5 realistically, but uh, this is the third fight on my Ford Lake parlay, dude. I'm taking the first three so far. Uh, I already have it set up, too. I'll show you once we're done. Uh, oh, this is going to be the sweat. This, this is, is one that I'm very nervous about. This yeah, is the one I'd be worried about. Yeah, uh, I'm very worried about it because what do I have so far? I have two female fights and a heavyweight fight. In the biggest parlay that I've ever placed, really. I've never done a $297 bet before, but the way I see it, I made the plan to do, you know, start with 40 and then go up five times. This is my fourth time here and then see what I end up with. And uh, at the end of the day, like I knew it was going to be, it's, I, I look at it as $40 lost. If I win, great. I still got to bet next, next event. So, um, yeah, man, I got, uh, Mohammed Usman here all day. Um, Jake Collier, his last performance against Boudet was bad. He looked pretty good in the first round, but the difference with Mohamed Usman and, uh, I think it's Martin Boudet, um, Usman has power, man. When he, when he can sit on a punch, he can knock you out. I mean, he knocked out Paunga, who's a, a really a light heavyweight, but, uh, the UFC wants Mohamed Usman to, rise through the ranks and they want him to do good. They're slow rolling him. Whereas Jake Collier coming in on three losses back to back to back. We know the UFC does set up fights. They don't rig them per se. I don't think that they necessarily go in and pay fighters to lose or whatever, but they set up fights in a certain way. I think to get a certain outcome, just look at Raul Rosas versus uh, what was it? Mitchell, right? I mean, they, and they showed him practicing that overhand, right? Right before. Yeah. The, the walkouts. That was easy. Yeah, I took him by knockout. I, I put $33 on it, you know, just to get a little weird with it. And uh, and it hit, man. So I had a great weekend. I made like 500 bucks last weekend off of an initial uh, like $200 investment. So I doubled my money. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm heavy here on uh, on Usman, man. I think that he takes him down. I think that it's a competitive first round. Um, yeah, look at I, That's another thing is that what I'm worried about is Usman's always are losing early. He's always losing early. He's always down in the first round. He never comes out. He's a slow starter, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me nervous. Because we've seen Jake Collier come out, you know, go for first round takedowns, do some unorthodox uh, fight plans. So I'd be worried about round one. I would be ready to live bet the hell out of Usman after round one. If he yeah. survives round one, and I don't think round one's going to go too well for him. And I think that's why the line might have even opened up as a dog, because they know, you know, seven out of ten times, Muhammad's going to have a slow first round, and they're going to change the odds. 
So I'd yeah. be willing to, you know, get ready to slam Muhammad, dog odds after round one, you know, maybe make sure he's not fully dead on the stool. But I mean, if Chris Barnett can do it, man, and also hit the under one and a half, don't go too crazy on this over under. Cause if Barnett can finish Jay Collier in under one and a half rounds, I think Muhammad can, but. Not, I don't know. Something feels trappy about this. I want to. This feels like one of those spots where you just should just drop the house on Usman. Right. It really does feel like one of those spots to me. Yeah, it's scary always when it's like that, though. Um, I mean, you look at this this average UFC fight time, man. Obviously, many more fights for uh, Jake Collier, but this bottom stat here, essentially the same. So. I think these guys are really well matched, man. I don't think that this goes the distance. I really don't. I think uh, I think we get a round two knockout by Usman or a round one knockout. I, I've heard a lot of people. I mean, like if you look at tapology, it's like 90% of people are on Usman and 90% of that 90% are on him by the knockout. And you would think that's got to come round one, maybe round two. Because uh, Usman will gas at the end, but he's not going to gas nearly as hard as Collier, who is supposedly in better shape. But it's only been like two months. So, um yeah, man, I'm on uh I'm on Usman and he's in my third leg, dude. I think uh I think we get something pretty exciting the here. The odds on that three team. The uh, well, I, I got one more in it too. So You it's, fucking greedy bastard. Well, I, that's the thing. You ha- I have to get plus money on my things. That's the whole deal. That's Dal the whole ladder and, challenge. Dal and uh Mizuki wasn't even even. No, Vidal Mizuki was still minus. This barely gets it into plus territory, and then my next fight gets it to, I think, plus 239. So it's not like a crazy, unthinkable possibility. And again, that 297 will get me $1,008 total. So I feel good about it, man. Like like I said, I started with 40. If I lose it, yeah, it's going to suck ass. All right, well, let me ask you this. Can Are you allowed? Is it only parlays? For the ladder challenge? Uh, would you be allowed to straight bet each one? You could straight bet, yeah. Yeah, why are you going to, you know? Because I don't want to dog. I don't, I don't what my recommendation would be is pick one more or take that four-teamer, put it around Robin, and put the put an extra 40 on it. Put 440 on the round Robin. Pay out a little bit less, but it probably will be a rack. And then if one loses, you get all your money back, usually. Most of it, depending on which one loses. I already placed the bet, dude. And they took out. They did the yeah, thing right. where they they did the thing where uh, they take out half right away. So right away, like when I put in the two ninety seven, if I wanted to cash it out, I'd only get like one eighty or something like that. But I'm good, dude. I'm confident in this shit. You'll see what I'm happens. Hoping you hit. Uh, next fight but of the you night. Don't, if you hit three out of four, you're never gonna hear the end of it from me. That's all right. Like I said, dude, I started with forty. Half the round robin, everything in the future, you're gonna have to. No, I don't know about that, man. We'll see. Because, like I said, I'm I'm doing pretty good so far, and I'm I'm confident. Like I said, no matter what, I still got to put this thousand on something next week, and it has to be plus money. Like, and it's not just like one oh one or something. Like, it's got to be at least double. That's how the ladder works. Like, you gotta yeah, but you you can build round robins where it doubles your money, but it still keeps it the bankroll safe. If one happens to shit the bed, you get a robbery decision. You know how it is. Oh, I do. And I am worried. Trust me. I'm going to be drinking quite a bit for this card because I'm excited about it. Like I said, biggest bet of my life. But we'll see, man. We we got more to do. You know what I mean? We got more betting no matter what. So it's not going to make or break me. 
Um, but yeah, man, let's move good on attitude. here. Uh, what, what's that? So that's a good attitude to have. Yeah, dude. No, I got, I got money, man. I'm not, I'm not rich by any means. Like I said, a, a $300 is a lot for me to put up, but we'll, we'll make it back even if we lose. Um, fourth fight of the night here. And this is my fourth leg, dude. <laughs> this is my fourth and final one. Jacob Malcoon. Uh, I'm taking them all day. Jacob Malcoon versus Cody Brundage. I think this is a, the, it's the biggest line difference on the card for a reason. I think Jacob Malcoon makes this look easy. Um, he doesn't finish many times. Um, and Cody Brundage is just bad, man. He's really bad. I think they're trying to get rid of him. I think Jacob they're trying Malcoon to... is minus 600. He, Jacob Malcoon is minus 590 on my book. Yeah. Bro. That is outrageous. I know because Brundage is that bad. Uh, he is not that bad. He's not plus 400 bad against Malcoon, who beat up. He couldn't even finish a guy with one knee. Well, he doesn't finish people. That's his whole thing. He he really is just like a decision fighter. What's that? Who's the last guy that they beat? The guy that got... Uh... Maximov is the guy that Jacob Malkoon beat, and then Cody Brundage beat Cedric Dumas, who does not know how to wrestle at all, and lost a wrestling match to Josh Fremd, who just got fucked up this weekend. So, yeah, dude, I'm pretty high on Malkoon here for sure. I know, but it's just... <laughs> Ooh, it's crazy odds. That's like, why, why would they set the odds like that if they're not at least thinking? Because you know, you look at you look at Brundage's uh look at Brundage's record here, his last three, and I have that on my phone here. So he loses. I think he loses by finish a couple of times here, too. But the the Dumas loss was uh by decision. My phone's being whack again. You gotta love this. Um, but yeah, man, so let me try and pull this up. What do you got, though, on this fight? Jeez, man, I'd be willing to take a shot on Brundage, honestly. I, I know it sounds stupid, but he's the taller guy. He's longer. Um, I, I just, it, 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 the odds are just too wide. They're way too wide. Like, Definitely. as just a punt, they're absolutely way too wide. Yeah, if you're not, like, this is the whole thing. If you're not parlaying him, I don't think it's worth touching. But that's yeah, why I just figured I'd throw him in. Um, like so he loses Cody by finish, stupid punt, because that's probably the only way he wins. I don't see him winning a decision. Or even Cody to finish only. So if it does go to a decision and get a little push, I do like betting dogs like that. And another way I like to bet dogs is by betting against the favorite getting the finish. So I wonder what Jacob Malkuna's finish odds are. Because the other bet in the other way, as long as he doesn't finish him, any other outcome pays you. And I do like doing that strategy as well. Yeah. Just betting against the favorite getting the finish. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't go too crazy, but I, I wouldn't mind a shot on Brundage. This is way too wide. It's just way too wide, man. For a guy. It definitely who, is. For, who, that punch's chance is very live at plus 400. For sure. Yeah, and this isn't like it's like a, a ranked fighter fighting some like a can. Although I I do think that Brundage is a can. His record kind of shows that. Um, you know, Malcoon is um, Robert Whitaker's jujitsu coach. I don't know if you knew that. Um, yep. The dude is is underrated for sure. And when he was fighting Maximov, you know, this dude's Australian and Nick, who my co-host, who's Australian, he hated him. You know, he's like, dude, this guy is whack. You know, his style's boring. It's not fan friendly. You look at his 
knockout win losses. Yeah, I mean, he has three finishes, you know, two finishes really, but he's gotten finished once. Um, two knockouts, five decisions. That's his seven wins right there. It is boring, right? Um, but then you look at uh, Cody Brundage lately, man. He's just not fighting like he wants to even have the job. It's weird that they're the same age, essentially, um, because Cody Brundage just fights like he's way older, man. So, yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm high on Malcoon. A lot of people are. And I, you know, people that I've listened to, they're all saying kind of the same things. I agree with that. He is more technical. He's the better jujitsu practitioner, but he fell in love with his hands and he's going to put, I don't know. I, I just don't trust his fight IQ. He's going to give Cody plenty of opportunities to win this fight on the feet. In my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. If they, uh, if he doesn't get eight takedowns like he did in his last fight, it's going to look pretty rough. Or if he only gets three, which he won't because he's got bad ground control. Um, he's, uh, I think he's going to look like that. He's never, he's not going to look like a, a minus nine, five ninety favorite. He's not, he's simply not. He might look like a minus 200 favorite. Um, and those odds probably will shrink. If you're looking a live bet, they'll shrink throughout the fight. But I definitely think Malcoon gets this done, man. And, um, that's going to wrap up my parlay down. Maybe they, he's due for a finish. UFC wants to give him a finish. We'll see. I mean, if I, I don't know why the odds again, you know, s- similar to how you were saying, why aren't the odds so much wider in the Usman fight? Why are these odds so wide here? You know, I don't know if they know something. Someone has to know something either that or this is a trap, too. But we can say that about every fight. It's extremely strange because Jacob Malcolm is 590 against like anyone in the UFC pretty much is up I agree, but last week too, I was also thinking like, why is Lupe to, Lupe Godinez minus four hundred over Elise Reed? Oh, that you know made I mean? sense. That made sense though. Because of her bad fight IQ, you think? Because Lupe has Lupe's the hometown Mexican, so you already know she got judges on her side. I'm saying and she should have been a minus eight hundred though. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying she had a really easy path to get a finish, which was getting her down. Right. So that's what I'm saying is like it should have been a wider line on her. Like, uh, you know, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I know, like, but that's why it went so high. I mean, Lupi was what at open minus three hundred. Yeah, and it got smoked. Yeah, I just don't get how it didn't go to minus. I remember 600. going to bed one night, all the lines were like normal, and then I wake up and there everything smoked. Yeah, yeah, and it moved a lot towards the end too, um, on all those. But yeah, man, I. Uh, I got my four fights in my parlay right out of the way. We're going to know if we're going to have a good night or a bad night right off the bat. Um, but, yeah, man, go ahead and uh, and take this one. We're on fight number five here. Tim Means versus Andre Fiala. Who do you got? I've been, I'm, I have a lot of love for the Dirty Bird, man. I like, it's I hard want not to. Root, like, I'm rooting for him. Like, my heart is rooting for the Dirty Bird. And... My wallet also wants to bet the Dirty Bird. I wish the line was wider, though. This is one of those fights where I'm like, yeah, he has to be live. He's plus 160. He has to be live. And he's just one of those guys. He looks good for a round. He can gas out. I think Fialho's got the better gas tank, and he's going to be there. Um, I think it's going to be close. I think Tim Means is always winning round one. He's always looking good in round one. So betting this fight, that, I think that's why the line's low. Because they think Tim Means is going to be up round right off that jab and the cardio he has available. Round two, he just starts to fade. Round three, he's, he, he's already faded. And that's hard to trust. Uh, 
I honestly see this going to like a sweaty decision, but I could see Fialo getting a second or third round knockout. Not one that I want to really bet, but I'm I'm 100% rooting for Tim Means. It just feels like Andre Fialo is going to get a little bit of a comeback knockout like everyone else does against Tim Means. Yeah. I mean, that's the script with Tim Means. I remember I bet Nico Price against Tim Means. I said, what the fuck did I do? And then he got the fluke knockout on Tim Means. And I said, oof, nice. <laughs> but I, I was always hesitant again, betting against Tim Means after that. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, I hope Tim Means can get it done, but I'm not, I, I don't trust Fialho. He screwed me over in the past. But this is definitely a matchup for him to get back into the win column, technically. I just don't like betting those comebacks. I definitely see him down round one. And it's just, just see, it's just if Tim Means is going to gas like he usually does. These guys both need comebacks, man. Andre Fialo's lost his last three, and Tim Means has lost his last three. Back against the wall fight. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I don't know. Tim Means, the bigger dude. Um, Obviously, the older guy by 10 years, that's never good. Somehow he's got a better chin than Andre Fialho, though, man. Like, that's what's kind of crazy um, at this age. That's Think what so? I'm scared of. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Andre Fialho gets knocked out every single fight, like second round. Yeah. Some, fucking Matthews cracked it, man. But before then, I was preaching how he had like a Drew Dober chin. Yeah. Yeah. But somebody broke it, man. Uh, yeah. Jake Matthews not. knocked him out in round two. Uh, Muslim Salikov knocked him out in round three, early in round three. And then Joaquin Buckley knocked him out in round two. Uh, made it look easy, too. But, yeah, dude, I think uh, Andre Fialo's got this. Um, and I hope he does. For Nick's sake, Nick bet him. Um, he's got him in his first leg of a of a ladder parlay type situation, like what I'm doing. But uh, this is going to be a, a nail-biter for sure if you're on that Fialo side. If we get in a round two. Dog him. Yes, I'll dog him. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, but I'm with you, dude. It'd be cool to see like an older dude like Means kind of pull it off. But for the sake of this fight, like you know, uh, I can't imagine the UFC gets rid of this dude if he loses this fight in Tim Means. So give him one more fight, give him kind of more of a layup matchup, and then send him on his way. You know, um, but that's not how they work. So I'm I'm on the Fialo side, dude. I think that they want Fialo more than they want Means, and they're trying to get Fialo the win here. Knockout round one, probably. Not a bad pick. All right, man. Moving right along here. Uh, These fights, man, like I didn't pay much attention to these. Obviously, I know about them and I watched some tape, but I was studying like my four most confident spots, which is crazy that it's those first four. But um, as far as, you know, the Miles Johns versus Dan Argetta fight, I think that Dan Argetta is going to out-wrestle Miles Johns. I think it's it's almost a grappler versus striker situation, almost. Um. I, I think that, that Argetta gets it here. He's the slight favorite, but I think he gets it done. A little more dangerous, slightly more dangerous. Um, I'm on the Argetta side, man. Probably decision, though. What do you think? I think early it's all Dan. Dan comes out like a like a cannon. And I think Miles' only way to victory is to stop takedowns, keep it standing. I think he can out-jab Dan and win a decision. Easy on this card. That's the only way I like Miles Johns to win this fight. But I think Dan has all the finishing capabilities in this fight. You're right. Especially round one. Especially round one. And we've seen, you know, Miles get chinned. But if he can weather that early storm, I'd be very worried past round one. But at first, I did like Miles at the at the dog odds at first when I saw this. And I know Dan's the popular pick this week. 
Yeah. No, and then I'm rushing to the book to bed again, but I will be putting some round robin punts with like Miles John's decision only. And um, I think that's the only spot I kind of like here. But I do understand why everyone likes Dan. It's just I don't know if he if he can get Miles down often and keep him down. Miles Miles has is a really good underrated wrestler in my opinion. He just falls in love with his hands too. But yeah, I think yeah. he, he's gonna. I think we're gonna see a kickboxing fight here, and that's that's why I trust Miles to win a decision. Yeah, he's uh, the more active fighter, uh, a little less accurate. Um, I mean, the the strikes absorbed for Dan Argueta is great, you know, less than two per minute. So I don't know, man. I think that this is even everywhere. That 92% takedown defense of Miles Johns is going to make the wrestling kind of hard on Dan Argueta here. But I think he's got him, man. And that's why I do think it goes decision. I know you said round one knockout, but I think it's a decision. I actually think Dan gets a decision here. Um, which I know is not but really if he gets the takedowns consistently. I think he could, I think he could do it. I yeah. just, I don't know. I see two scenarios. If it's going to a decision, it's wet blanket or it's stand up, right? Kind of a stalemate, one way or the other. I don't see a mix really. This would be the first decision that Miles Johns has lost ever. So, yeah, that'd be kind of interesting. Uh, if my stats are correct here, sometimes you can't trust them, but. Uh, yeah, man, let me see where uh, Nick's at real quick. And, uh, sounds like you're on the Argetta side too, but do you have him by first round finish? Uh, no, I honestly, if I've gone to my head, I'll take Miles Jones decision. Okay. Be I trust the stand up. Hopefully that chin holds up round one. Yeah. Nick's also got him by decision on the Argetta side. And, uh, I do want to just double check that the, uh, I mean, it'd be crazy, man, but yeah, that's where we're both at is, uh, so yeah, the dude's never dude's never lost by decision. Uh Johns has not. So it should be interesting, man. Um I started that last one. You go ahead and take Charles Jordan versus Ricardo Ramos in the next fight of the night at Featherweight here. What you got? I've been taking a lot of dogs, to be honest. I loved Ramos when I saw this line. I said, you know, Ramos at dog odds. How do you not take it? But not sure off his backstory. Not sure if he's coming off an injury. But at dog odds, I almost said that was an auto bet. Path to victory. Um, I think this. I think he's getting the takedowns here, and I think he's gonna push Jordan to the fence. There's gonna be a lot of clinch work. I definitely see my man Ramos getting a takedown, even possibly getting a sub here. Interesting. Okay. I like it. I like it. I am on the opposite side. I have uh, Charles Jordan. I think he's way more of a dog. Um, he showed really, really good jujitsu defense against uh, Kron Gracie, but Kron Gracie, obviously, he's only a jujitsu fighter. He's a bad martial artist, uh, mixed martial artist, rather. So, you know, Charles Jordan showed that he's got that ground game. If you know you're just messing with the ground game, you kind of know that's where Ricardo Ramos is going. And Ricardo Ramos gasses hard after like seven minutes. And Charles Jordan. So right, that. you're so right. That there, if I had a backup plan, it would be Jordan, like round three, because I remember Ricardo in his last fight, round three, almost died. Right? Yeah. Oh, wrong one. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It is tough though. It's a tough call because you got some interesting numbers here. Obviously, Charles Jordan being the striker, he's going to throw almost six strikes, almost doubling. Um, well, actually, literally doubling. Um. 
well, just about doubling, I should say, uh, Ricardo Ramos's strikes. And it's just, it's kind of wild, man. Ricardo Ramos having less fight time as far as an average fight time goes. But I don't know, dude. I think, uh, I think this is a nice opportunity to live bet Charles Jordan because he might lose that first round. And, um, you could probably get in early to late round two on a pretty big number on Charles Jordan. And I think that, like you said, something around round three, potentially a knockout on round in round three for Charles Jordan. And uh, I believe Nick is on that same side. He's got Jordan by decision, though. So he's counting on Jordan taking probably rounds two and three. We'll see. Yeah, it's not a bad pick. Don't mind that. I just I see Ricardo overwhelming him. That's what I see. Could happen, man. And, yeah, it, it, how long does he have to work on cardio here? Let's see when his last fight was. Could have been too long ago because I remember this, dude. This was back in... Uh, Oh, shit, it was over a year ago when he fought Danny Chavez. So, finished him in round one, too. So, he's got a lot of round one finishes, man. Should be pretty good. All right. Did you take that one or did I? I believe you did. No, I was on, I'm on battle right off the bat. That's all I got to say. I, I said this is unless AJ Fletcher comes in like a new man. That I said, it, I thought Brian Battle was free money. This was my first pick. Same first thing I looked at the card, I said, "Oh, Battle, man! Ooh, yeah, Ella, probably by finish. I'm gonna get greedy. I love this. This was my favorite play of the card, to be honest. If I had to bet everything, I'd probably bet on Brian Battle. To be honest, I trust this man. But there is a world where he's gonna get wet blanket." For three rounds and he loses a decision. I could see that too, but I'm I'm willing to risk it here. I see more paths to victory. Yeah, Brian Battle's pretty well rounded. It's kind of uh I wonder if there's a little bit of recency bias. By the way, uh Brian Battle versus AJ Fletcher here, obviously, if you're not watching. Um you know that 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 uh, the whole thing about MMA is half of the bets like kind of happen with like some recency bias, right? Brian Battle getting the that lines, quick finish. Yeah, the lines. You're only as good as your last fight. Of course. But uh, I don't know how true that really is. You know, sometimes people have bad performances and whatnot. Um, AJ Fletcher, I believe, coming off a win, too. Yes. Uh, Thembo Garembo, who's not horrible, right? Um, yeah, but that was a sweat, too. He didn't look too good in round one. I bet on a lot of money on Fletcher in that fight because he was yeah. fighting an extremely low-level guy. Who technically shouldn't even be in the UFC. Like, do I see Temba Garembo in the UFC in the next three years? No. Well, he's one and one. I I don't know. I don't see him in the UFC in the next three years. I'll tell you that. Okay. But AJ Fletcher, I'm just worried about cardio improvement. If he shows cardio improvement and just spam wrestles battle for three rounds, I'm going to lose it. But that's the only way I see him winning. I don't see him winning on the feet. I don't see him subbing battle. Um, I just see him winning by out wrestling him and showing him a superior cardio, which I trust Brian Battle to have right here. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's contender series versus uh tough, right? Brian Battle being the tough winner, and then AJ Fletcher getting a contract on the contender series. Um I tend to kind of think that the process of the contender series is better. So I I'd like to side with AJ Fletcher. Ju- I'm not going to, I don't think. But some people that I really like and trust uh, are on the A.J. Fletcher side, and he's just going to make it a nasty fight. 
um, where he's kind of laying on top of him, like like you've been saying, wet blanketing and all that. I just think that Brian Battle might have what it takes here. He's the slightly taller dude. What do we got? Three inches. Um, I don't know how much of a difference that's going to make. He's got significant reach advantage, a 10-inch reach advantage. That should make a difference. So I don't know, man. I, I definitely I do give see. you a scenario that will like help you a lot more. You you hear that Chris Tognoni's the ref. If Tognoni's the ref, really go with more battle because anyone get clipped on the feet, and more likely like AJ Fletcher getting clipped, it's more likely an easier stoppage and an easier win. Yeah, but right. Here, these are this is one of the fights where the ref could become a huge influence on the outcome. So if I knew it was Chris Tognoni, I'm boom. Brian Battle should be minus three hundred, minus two fifty, right there. Yeah, let me see really quick. Another source, MMA Junkie used to post them right after the first fight on their website. Really? Yeah, they used to do it. And they were the only source that was doing it. And then they started doing it sometimes, and now they don't do it at all. And now there's a whole source gone. I heard there's some sports books that give them out as well. I know DraftKings does. You know what's interesting, too? About Fletcher, man, he hasn't been dropped in any of his UFC fights. Um, the two losses, he's only lost by decision. He hasn't been dropped one time in his four fights in the UFC. So I don't know that Brian Battle has the power to do it. He's kind of more technical unless someone comes out and, and rushes him. Like uh, I think it was Gabe Green in his last fight that he finished really quick. Um, I could be he wrong. He has a great chin. He can chin anyone now. He proved it. For sure. Ian Gary can't. Well, Ian Gary can't put out anything, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, man. I don't know. I, I'm on the Brian Battle side here, too. I think he gets a, a knockout, potentially round one, round two. But um, it's going to be tough. I think a decision might be a safer bet. Really, the money line, since the odds aren't too wide, um, you're getting a Yeah, that is a safer bet. I, I would trust the over one and a half a little bit. But then again, I trusted it against Gabe Green and Brian Battle. Yeah, that was like the worst bet ever, huh? Because it ended in like 16 seconds. And uh, to be, I don't know. Do I trust AJ Fletcher's chin a little bit more? Do I trust his, I guess I could trust his IQ to not go out there and just try to bang in 30 seconds. Yeah, he's not going to do that. And he's never been knocked out, man. He's never been finished ever in his MMA career. AJ Fletcher hasn't. So that's how close has he been to finish? How close has he been to getting finished? Yes. I can't think of any times off the top of my head, but it's possible that he's been, like been close. But again, you know, it doesn't matter. So often he takes hits. He's he like a hits. Justin Gaethje to me. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. He doesn't get dropped though. And actually wrestles. He doesn't get dropped. That's a big. That's going to make a big difference here. Um, Brian Battle. This weight cut does kill him too at welterweight. He's really a middleweight. He's kind of a size bully a little bit, but. We like that if he's uh if he's trying to keep it on the feet, but it, you know it could affect his chin one day. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying is it could affect his chin one day. So not that AJ has the biggest power. I'm just putting that out there for people that might be like, well, I'm all in on Brian Battle. Think about the risks here. Um, obviously, you know there's risks in all this shit, but I I, I tend to agree with you though, man. I think Brian Battle's got this. Um, it is risky. I mean, a fight's risky, man. A fight is risky. Let's see what uh, our buddy's got here. Battle by decision for Nick. And let's move on. Um, Nick on my side. I know. The third fight of the night featured fight. We've got Marina Rodriguez versus one of the most attractive women in the UFC. She's a little older, but I don't mind that. 
37. Uh, Michelle Watterson, and I know it's Watterson Gomez. I think it's the second or something, but uh, Michelle Watterson is what we call her here. And um, these two have fought before. It's the rematch that no one really needed or wanted. Odds but, um, were the first time as well. What's that? Odds were a little bit closer the first time, I believe, as well. Yeah, because Michelle uh, has kind of shown that she is not the greatest um, lately. And um, there's a missing stat there with the uh, knockout wins and losses. She's got three knockouts and one knockout loss for Michelle Watterson. She's a wrestler, though. She calls herself the Karate Hottie, but she's a wrestler. And uh, Marina Rodriguez takedown defense is decent, 64%. So I think Mich- uh, Marina Rodriguez gets it done same, similar way to the first time. I don't think there's a finish here. I think it's just a unanimous decision for Marina Rodriguez. And... um the one thing is Michelle Rodriguez could make this close. Everyone says that she's way older. She's a year older than Marina Rodriguez, so it's not crazy. I just think the ceiling's a little higher for Marina, and Michelle's on her way out. So Marina, decision, probably unanimous. What do you got here? I can't hear you if you're talking. I'm sorry. I, I don't trust betting this fight. I see this 100% of the time going the distance. Right. I see it could be close. I hate betting close fights. Just staying away. If I'm going to bet it, I'll use the over, maybe round three start as a leg, and you know it's going to be juiced. Because when I look at it, it's probably going to be like minus 450. Yeah, so it's it's going to be an interesting one, man. Um, you'll this look at this. Right deal. Sorry, what was it? You cut out. I said this being a three-rounder is a big deal. Yeah, and that's a that's the thing too is if you look at the average UFC fight time for uh Watterson over 15 minutes. I mean, the girl likes to go to decision even in 25 minute fights. Um Marina Rodriguez is high up there too, 13 minutes basically. So, I mean, this is going the distance, man. This is going to go 15 minutes. It's just does Michelle Watterson get her takedowns? Does she get three or more? Um I think that'll be a big difference maker if Marina Rodriguez can outstrike her. If uh I think if Michelle Watterson gets six minutes of ground control time she could get this you know and that that doesn't sound like much obviously in a 15 minute fight but i think that she could actually pull this off um but i think that they're giving her a a a tough fight so that they can get rid of her and she'll go fight in pfl or you know some other rinky dink organization here but yeah man i'm on marina all day so is nick what do you got I guess I would go Marina. She's safer. She's more live for the finish if there were a finish. Right. I don't odds. I also just don't trust the judges. And I think Michelle's one of those girls who was going to get the close bias for having the, for sure, you know, being the fan favorite, to be honest. I mean, yep. no one's going to be watching this fight to see Marina, to be honest. So who's selling this fight? Michelle's selling the fight. And, in my opinion, when it goes to close decisions, they give it to the to the woman who sold the fight. That kept it close. So, you know, I, it's just one of those spots I would stay away from. It's it's smell. It's just seems like a robbery written all over it. And I, I don't know. It's just one to avoid, in my opinion. Okay, I respect it. I tend to agree, but we still make calls on all these either way. Um, so yeah, man, I, uh, I think that's a shady one. Call me an event, man. Uh, this is, it's supposed to be me, but I think I just did that last one. Cause I know you're supposed to get the main event, but you can go ahead and take this one. What do you got? 
with Bryce Mitchell versus Danny Gay here. Hey, Bryce Mitchell all day. When I saw this, I said, that's a lock. Minus 120. Drop the balance. Now he's minus 225. What it says. That now it's a no bet. Now they're really baiting on like Dan Ige's live at those odds. Like that's such a big $75 line movement, dude. Yeah. That's enough. That's a big movement. That's big. So it's definitely a not bet. Now it's dog or pass, man. Dan Ige got that value on him plus 175. Mm -hmm. He's a knockout. He's live for that close decision. I just see Bryce Mitchell getting them takedowns. I see him having superior cardio. I see him getting top control for a lot of time. And I see this being a very, very boring fight. And, yeah, I see Bryce Mitchell by decision. Okay. I love it. You know how I am with Dan Ige, bro. 50K. I see him getting worked. You know how he made us money in the past? Yeah. Um, Got to fade Ige here. But hell no on my bet. I wish I got it in early. But I am not betting Bryce Mitchell at minus 225. I am not parlaying that. That is no value there. If it was even odds, 100%, I would take a flip against Dan Ige to get out-wrestled. 100%. But right now, you know, Dan Ige is kind of live at plus 175. And that the thing is, too, which is the, that camp is hot. Yeah. That, is hot. Eric Nixick is so fucking hot right now that he's he's you know everyone keeps fading him, and these are the these are the fights where he his fighter shows up. So I wouldn't be betting this right now. But at even odds, I was all over all over Bryce Mitchell, and that's who I think is going to win the fight. To be honest. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I like how you say that. Like you're playing the number, which is really realistically what people should do when they're betting um if you were going to throw somebody in your parlay it would probably be bryce mitchell from the way that you're saying this yeah but you could bet danny gay i would check like odds on danny gay finish only yeah i guarantee you that is not plus 175 guarantee you that's probably closer to almost even plus 130 so if you do go to a decision you get a push but that's the way i would take e-gay if you're gonna mix up some parlays i that's what I urge people to use is a lot of finish onlys, especially like one or two mm. and spread them out when you're using, you know, some Hail Mary parlays or round robins. Cause it's just, it's just much safer when you get a push rather than a loss. Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't know if you've noticed like looking at these, these uh, bottom numbers of fantasy draft price. Like I like looking at those cause they can kind of sometimes represent the odds a little bit better than the actual odds. Um, 8,800 versus 7,400, Bryce Mitchell, Dan Ige. It, it kind of puts it into a little bit more of a perspective of like where the books really see the value. Obviously, Bryce Mitchell kind of expected to win here um, by looking at that. So um, that, that's what got me to like the Malcoon spot. That's what got me to the Vidal spot, the um, Inua spot. They're all very high up. They're like number one, two three and five as far as like the highest priced if you wanted to buy them in your fantasy draft. So, uh, you know, Bryce Mitchell kind of sitting there in the middle, top side of the middle, and Danny Ige sitting on the lower side of the middle. I got Bryce Mitchell by sub round two or three. Um, and I think Nick kind of sees it the same way. I know he's real high on Bryce Mitchell. He's got him in a parlay. He's got him sub round three. So, uh, yeah, man, it's uh, 
Not a bad pick at all. I like that. Be a sneaky sub bet. Yeah, and you said it yourself. He's got the better cardio, you think, right? So, I mean, it's going to be... But, you know, we are betting against one of the hottest camps in the UFC right now. And I just... 25. The only thing... You know what it is, though? I think Bryce Mistral's got the bigger audience. And anything close is going to go to him, in my opinion. Yeah, I I am a little worried with all of his uh, personal problems. That last fight, he had like a purple shoulder, so he had to pull out. I don't know if you remember that. It looked like some, some freak show shit. And then when he got his ass beat by uh, Ilya Taporia, he had all kinds of excuses. He was like talking about how he was going to retire. And then he filmed himself crying over his girlfriend. Uh, and I'm not making fun of the dude. He's literally crying, um, you know, talking about how his girlfriend broke up with him and like ripped his fruit trees down and shit, which is a bitch move. But, you know, he's had a lot of he's got a lot of shit going on upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dan Ige is bringing another kid into the world. So he's pretty like I think he's got a goal in mind here. Motivated. And- yeah. yeah man he's motivated last time his wife was pregnant i think he got around one knockout um so you know it's it's one of those things where i'm not high on bryce mitchell like some people are but i would pick him to win this fight and um if he doesn't get knocked out in round one by some crazy just danny gay punch which he can do um i think the longer that this fight goes the more it favors bryce mitchell and so i'm going with uh mitchell round two or three so moving right yeah. along is a scary fight to bet it is man yeah i i'm not gonna be doing anything crazy with uh with many other fights other than the ones that i have so main event of the evening though rafael faziv versus matouch gamrot this is a hell of a fight man this should be dope this is like this is what the um this is what the jake collier fucking muhammad usman fight would be if it was two good fighters right it's a grappler and a striker but this is like that turned up all the way. This is what a grappler versus striker match should look like. And you have probably the best striker in the lightweight division versus, I would say, the second or very best wrestler. If we're just talking straight wrestling, Matoush may be the best wrestler, even over uh, Chemayev, or not Chemayev, uh, Makachev. Um, I think with straight wrestling, Matoush might be the best. So this is a, a really, really interesting match, man. A big number that stood out to me is the 90% takedown defense for Rafael Faziv. Yeah, Matoush has 90% takedown defense too, but he's not going to face any takedowns from Faziv, I wouldn't think, um, unless it was just a one-off. But the five strikes landed per minute for Faziv, the 51% accuracy, all the numbers other than the striking defense are in favor of Faziv. He's kind of the, the more dangerous fighter when it comes to fight time. But uh, I think, you know, if you're looking at it, actually, realistically, Faziv is 10 times more dangerous than Matoush is. Um, I think he's got this all day. Slightly younger, but everything is kind of pointing to uh, a Rafael Faziv round four knockout for me. So that's where I'm going. I'm with you. I'm on Fazeev as well. The thing is, is that when you think about it, he's the one who's doing damage. Mm-hmm. More damage as the fight goes on. His leg kicks, his jab. I don't really see Gamron doing too much damage to to Fiziev without getting in like a mount position. To mm-hmm. be honest. Without getting a crazy, you know, back control, flatten him out, which I don't see happening. And to be honest, we could even see Raphael get some takedowns in, in at this part. We saw him take down Brad Riddell and switch mm-hmm. up his plans. You know, he's sneaky. And we might even be able to see him get Gamron down a couple times. 
And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see a knockout as well. We've seen Mateus get clipped before, but I, I'm going to go with Fiziev with a unanimous decision. Okay, I like it. Nick's got him by decision as well. I just see a finish here because for all the reasons that you said, I think that Matoush struggles with the takedowns, that 95% takedown defense. Matoush gets dropped in just about every fight. I think he actually has been dropped in his last three fights. Let me double-check that. You just but- identified another fight where they could throw in that ref and yeah. hit him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Chris Tognoni. We got a job for you. Yeah, so I was right, man. Um, Armin Sarukian knocked Gamrot down when they fought. Benil Dariush obviously dropped him in that perfect punch. And Jalen Turner dropped him as well. The dude gets dropped his last three fights. If those three guys drop him, the fucking striking coach from Tiger Muay Thai is going to drop him multiple times. I think he drops him every round until he finishes him, man. This dude is so fast. So I think he gets it done. When you look at the records, 12 and two versus 22 and two, um, it looks like Matoush has so much more to offer and he's, he's just a more dangerous fighter. You would think, but if you look at like how often they're going the distance, Matoush is constantly going the distance, dude, 10 and two in decision, uh, victories and losses. And then Fazeev, uh, being three and one, man, he's rarely going there. So eight knockouts for Rafael. For half the amount of fights, he's actually got one more knockout than Matoush does, dude. I think this is this is him all day. I think Fazeev's got this. Um, and like I said, I'm calling knockout round four after like a beating. I don't think it's a one and done type thing, but I think he beats the shit out of him for 20 minutes and um, and gets it done there. Might be some recency bias on this one too. With uh, with Fazeev or with Gamrat? Fazeev. With with his loss. Yeah, against Gaethje, getting beat up. You know, people are going to be sour about probably backing him here. Yes. Which I don't I don't get why, man. You know, beating beating up, uh, getting beat up by Gaethje doesn't look too bad after Dustin Poirier just got knocked out. You know what I mean? Like in the second round, it didn't even take three rounds, much less five, like they were scheduled to fight. So Fazeev putting up that fight, showing how durable he is. Um, I think he's got it, man. I'm I'm heavy uh, on that side. I don't have any money on him yet, but I, I would feel comfortable putting uh, – Putting some money on him, depending on how the night's going. So we'll see. But very safe. Yeah, man, should be pretty dope. I think should be a good card. I don't know if you wanna, if you got anything to talk about before we head out of here, man. But pretty, uh, pretty excited to see how this goes, and definitely got some money on it. Yeah, definitely gonna build some five team uh, props, all plus money. And see if we can hit a little something. Oh, uh, yeah. And uh, I know, too, that Nick had bigger bets on Jordan, uh, Usman, Bryce Mitchell. And uh, uh, his biggest bet is on Marina Rodriguez. Um, he's doing like three times what he normally would on, on Rodriguez there, which I think that makes sense. You know what I mean? Um, if I was going to do a super super risky parlay, man, I would probably do something like the two fights that I have the first time of the night, the the first uh, two girl fights. Um, I'd go Vidal. Let me see what this would be real quick, too. I'll just leave you with something that might be kind of spicy. Vidal, anyway. Um, I would go Tim Means with plus money on that. Um, 
I'd go Dan Argetta. I'd go Charles Jordan. I'd go Brian Battle, Rodriguez, Mitchell, and Fazeev. And that 19 parlay will turn $10 into 527 I think all those fighters win, dude. So we'll see. Shit. We'll see, man. Just for throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, I don't know if I'll do that, though. I definitely got something going already. So, yeah, man, plug anything that you want people to hear about before we get out of here. And uh, this will be playing on YouTube, and then it'll be playing on the uh, Dangerous World podcast feed where it'll get a lot of listens. But we're hoping to get more views. So whatever you got. You follow me on Instagram. Really active on there. At Profit Picks, P-R-O-P-H-E-T. And, uh, yeah, answer all the DMs usually uh, on here whenever i'm called and uh yeah hopefully we can make this money this week guys another red flag i just saw yo muhammad uzman fight goes the distance even money goes the distance is even money so they're not so that's a red flag for collier yeah that's fishy huh that's a red flag for collier why are they setting that at 1.5 if they're also thinking it goes the distance, what are the odds on the 1.5? Because I don't have that on FanDuel. 225. It's higher than I thought, but I do like that. That is a little bit too juicy. So minus one two minus two twenty-five for over one point five? Correct. Okay. Yeah, man. I think uh I think something's a little weird with that, dude. I think that they're just trying to get people to kind of be on both sides there, but I think that they want the Usman win. Um Kamaru is kind of fading a little bit. They want one of those uh they love being able to say, you know, the younger brother of uh, one of the probably the greatest welterweight of all time. Realistically, I know everyone says GSP, but the competition was wild for uh, for Usman here. But yeah, man, good stuff. I think uh, I think it should be a pretty damn good card, man. Good luck on all your bets, and I hope that uh, you know if you want to share any of the, those five leggers or anything, let me know. But um, do you do any like services where people sign up for any of your picks or any of that kind of shit? Yeah, we do nineteen ninety nine a month to get everything. And uh yeah, we just broke a little losing streak last week and uh made everyone happy again. But uh yeah, we're gonna look at some SGBs, we're gonna look at some strike strike counts over unders right now because they don't really release them until Friday. So I really love to look into and dive into those because we've had good luck with those. But I did just get screwed on one recently on the Manon Fiorat rose namajunas fight okay so here's the background on this we're watching the fight live as they're counting strikes on espn and i had 20 25 plus round one and 60 plus total for Manon. So I went through all of her fights. She hit every single one of those stats. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to bet it. It's minus 140. I'll just lay the juice. It wasn't a crazy bet. It was just, you know, I'm testing the waters, put like 100 on it. And we watched the first round. She landed 26, according to ESPN. So I thought I hit. And then I just stopped watching because I thought, you know, the fight was going to go the distance. I was going to get enough. I checked the end of the fight. She apparently landed 75 out of like 240. You know, out of a good amount. So I thought the bet was going to cash. They took mad long. And I checked UFC stats, and they changed it from 75 to 58. Uh, so someone the fight and then changed the stats afterwards. And not only did she land less than Rose, but it was under what I had for the first round, too. They changed 26 
to 15 and it was a two-legger they both had to hit and I was just like I was like why was this a unanimous decision if Rose was out striking Hmm. and that's how they get you when you bet and strike sometimes because I I I rewatched it and I thought I hit every single prop yeah man whenever I do like the underdog betting uh book I always just do ten dollars into 200 like the I do the five tier the five leggers because those rarely hit and like you said like when i watch those i'm i need it to be way over if like on espn because that's where i'll watch i I need i I, for me to feel confident i'm like okay so-and-so's got to get 54 strikes if they get up to the 70s i'm like all right cool this hit for sure in your case that still wasn't enough that's fucking nuts man yeah but i would love I, i shouldn't really even be betting it but i've been testing the waters i usually had a good run until that broke the streak but um yeah, every once in a while you can find a good spot with someone round one to get a lot of strikes. Like Volkov, like smoked his at twenty. He landed like fifty, I want to say. But there's some usually some good spots on the striking. You just got to look for them. Yeah, yeah. Sean Strickland's usually a safe bet too. But yeah, man, we'll get out of here. Thanks uh, everyone for listening, watching. Hopefully you're watching. Uh, just check it out on uh, YouTube, Casual Ko. It's going to have way less views than uh, listens, but all the values in watching, you know what I mean? You get to see all the the cool shit. So uh, big thanks to Alex from Profit Picks. Check them out. Uh, I'll plug the Instagram in the show notes and in the podcast notes and all that stuff. But guys, good luck if you're betting. And uh, I really do encourage you, even if you're starting with five bucks, to try that ladder or Eiffel Tower challenge, whatever you want to call it. Turn five into 15, 15 into 45, 45 into 100, 100 into 300. See if you can do it. Um, it's, it gets intense towards the top, so we'll see how it goes. But again, thanks, Alex, and everybody out there. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.